Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. resumed our uh, moving through the uh, books of the Bible, the Bible in one year. My name is Matt Tolman. If you don't know me, I'm at the Alive at Nine congregation. So we've been going through the, the Bible in a year together. And last week we started the writings, that middle section of the Old Testament. And Rod gave us this wonderful image, didn't he? Uh, this wonderful image from Psalm 1. And uh, it's a beautiful image, probably an image that we in the mountains can relate to. Uh, it's spaciousness, the creation before us, um, inspiration, inspiring views. And, and it's, it's an image that I reflected on the week and maybe you reflected on as well to, to remember that we should be murmuring God's word to ourselves, if we remember what Rod said, murmuring God's word to ourselves so that like roots going down into that uh, water from the river, that our lives would be nourished and flourishing in God's purpose for our lives like that tree. But while this fruitful tree image is true and trustworthy and is God's word for us, it's also not the whole picture that the Bible presents to us, is it? It's not the whole picture of God's wisdom. And tonight, we are looking at other parts of God's wisdom. We are looking at the book of Job and asking the question, what about the times in life when life feels or is like this tree instead? There are times in our lives where, where life is lived in suffering, in pain, with tears, with injustice. If I think from my own life and, and you would have your own story, there are some times in the midst of our suffering when we experience wonderful and great closeness with God, where in spite of our situation, the peace of God fills us, even in our sorrow. Um, when we were in India, there were some times of particular persecution and stress. We, we prayed earlier on about the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. And, and when we were in India, we did experience things like that. And there were times of persecution and stress um, that were some, looking back, were some of the, in my own life, times of greatest faith and growth in my walk with the Lord Jesus I think of when my colleague and, and friend Raju was beaten by a, a, a gang, a, a local gang of his hands broken, his head injured, his ribs broken, just his body left, had been beaten with a, a chain, actually a bike chain. And uh, it was a tough time, and yet, and yet, even those times, I would say, looking back, were times of sweet testing, 
and maybe you can think of times in your life that have been times of sweet testing where outwardly, yes, our lives are like this tree, but inwardly, still we are that well-watered tree drawing deeply from God's grace and strength. The times of sweet testing. However, it doesn't stop there, does it? It doesn't. The reality of this broken world is that there are times when we can be pushed into far darker places or people that we love and people who are close to us can be pushed into far darker places, of, even places of despair, where darkness does close in around us and where our faith can run dry. Where is God? in those hardest of human times, even in those times of deepest darkness? Well, it's for that question that God has given us the book of Job, a book of a man who experienced this. Uh, we, we had that uh, lovely dramatic reading. Thank you for, for doing that, friends. Um, in, in chapter one, we were, we were introduced to Job, and Job was a wonderfully good person. A wonderfully good person. Uh, in, in fact, in chapter one, we were told that he's, he's blameless and upright. He, he feared God and shunned evil. God himself says that about Job twice in chapter one. He's blameless and upright. There is no one on earth like him. He fears God and he shuns evil. Wonderfully good person. And, and Job was living a wonderfully blessed life, wasn't he? Great family, great prosperity, the shalom, shalom of God. The number of his children, if you remember them, seven sons, three daughters, and his belongings, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys. In that poetic wisdom literature they're very nice and clear old testament symbols are they aren't they of of wholeness of perfection of everything being as it should be job is a picture of god's shalom here on earth in this time or in his time a holy good person living a holy blessed life under a holy good god but then the tragedy, the wholeness, the blessing, the perfection are all tragically ripped apart. Satan goes to God and, and says, well, of course, Job fears you. Of course, God, of course, Job honors you. Haven't you just made his life good in every way? You've given him every blessing. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he fear you in return? But now, Satan says, now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, as we heard, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then, as we heard, Satan went out and he brought that calamity and tragedy on Job. All that shalom, all the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, stolen by his enemies. What a terrible thing. 
But then all the sheep and the servants burned up in a firestorm. And then if that isn't enough, then the building where his sons and daughters were having a feast, just, just minding their own business, having a feast. Like that condo in Miami that collapsed a few days ago and it's killed 65. That building where Job's kids are, the building collapsed and, and they were all killed. No one survived. And so in a single day, all that wholeness, all that goodness, all that shalom, torn apart and just replaced by grief and loss for Job. And, and what a guy, what a man that he responds with wisdom the way he, he, does, he does. As one who fears God and shuns evil, he says, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will go naked. The Lord gave me these things. The Lord's taken them away. Praise his name. What, what a response. What, what reverence and what humility Job shows, doesn't he? He shows wisdom. He shows wisdom by responding to his suffering with humility and integrity and fear of God. Thank you, Job. Well done. Thank you for your, the example you gave us. And God points this out to Satan after the section we read. God points it out to Satan and he says, See, my servant Job maintained his integrity, though you incited, him to you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. We've got an echo there. Can someone mute, please? You incited me against him to ruin him with no reason. And Satan replied to Job in the next section, he says, well, skin for skin, you spared his life. You didn't touch him, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh, his bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, just a body racked in pain. And Job is left at the chapter one. He took a piece of broken pottery and he's just scratching his sores. He has no medical treatment. He's just left scratching his burning body. It is just a total reversal and a tragic situation. A shattered and broken shell of a man his skin on fire and his soul burning within him. He's alive, but barely like that tree, the image that I showed before. And all he can do in his sorrow is just sit there for, in silence for seven days and seven nights. And then when he breaks his silence, he curses, but not God. He curses his own birth. Again and again and again, he just pours out his grief that I should have ever been born at all. Why did I need to live? There is no peace in his soul. No quietness, just sorrow and anguish. He is just devastated. He can find no justice in it all. 
no wisdom. He just wants to die. And he cries out to God and to his friends around him, those who will hear him. And he says, my suffering is a terrible and unjust mistake in God's creation. It is a terrible and unjust mistake, he says. Job's case is the extreme case, but have you ever had an experience like Job's? Or maybe one of your loved ones has. Life can be brutal sometimes for all of us. It can be overwhelming. God can, God, God can allow brutal things in human lives sometimes, just like what happened to Job. Times when our shalom the wholeness of life is just torn apart. A heart attack. That accident. That piece of news that came to you with a phone call or the email that was the worst outcome that you could have ever imagined. That shattered relationship that just cannot be repaired. That moment of shame that we will never forget. That infection that spread to the brain of our loved one. And just like for Job, sitting there in silence on the ground, scratching his, his body. So even now, for people, maybe in our family, or in our church, or in our community, there are times when we can just sit on the ground in silence, shattered, our hearts overwhelmed and breaking with sorrow. This is a heavy book, the book of Job. And yet right there in the middle of the book, amidst all the sore storm and the chaos raging and Job's struggle to come to terms with what has happened in his life, right there in the middle, there is a poem. There is a poem that Job has that God gives us in chapter 28, which is many call the, the hymn to wisdom. And that, that poem, I think, centers us, and it centers Job, centers Job himself, amidst the turmoil and in, as an anchor, as an anchor in the middle of his storm. We had that read earlier. Thank you very much for that. It was, it was a song which had sort of three movements to it, like three verses. And the first verse went like this. We can dig deep down into the earth. We can go as far as we want. We can find out all of the hidden treasures of this earth. We can bring those hidden treasures out. That was the first verse. And I think this is one that we can easily relate to. We can see how fantastic we humans are at discovering the treasures of this earth. We are so good, in fact, that these days we, we've stopped going deeper into looking to the treasures of the earth. We've gone off to look for the treasures in space. We are incredible, almost unlimited in our capacity to uncover the secret things of this earth. Even if you look at COVID-19 and the midst of this pandemic, as we many people have mentioned tonight, here we are 18 months after a never before seen virus in the history of the world has come. And our scientists and our human initiatives and our governments 
have put all these things in place and now we've with operation warp speed and, and all this investment we have discovered the secrets of the virus we've worked out its dna code we have understood its secrets and we have worked out about five six seven eight different vaccines that are being rolled out in various ways and those vaccines i think are a testament to these this first verse that first theme in that him to wisdom that we humans are really pretty good at discovering the earth's secrets but then if you can remember from the reading the second verse came in the second verse but where can wisdom be found job said where does understanding dwell no mortal comprehends its worth it cannot be found in the land of the living it is hidden from the eyes of every living thing when it comes to wisdom understanding God's designs and purposes for it all. Our situation is completely different. We don't have a mechanism to understand that on our own strength. We, we can't put in place an operation warp speed to find out God's wisdom. We are limited. God hasn't given us that access to his wisdom. And so if you remember from the reading, then the verse three gave us the climax and the resolution of that hymn. It said, God understands the way to wisdom. He alone knows where it dwells. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So Job 28 tells us, only God knows the way to wisdom. Only he knows his design and purpose in all things. And in the context of that book of Job, I think the message couldn't be clearer. Job, I knew you feared me from the start. I knew you shunned evil. That was chapter one. This suffering, Job, was not to put you back on the right path as if you had strayed from it. No, you've been on that path from the beginning. But even st still, this suffering is part of my wisdom for you, says God to Job. Even this suffering is part of my wisdom for you, Job. You can't understand it, I know. You are human, you are limited to, in your ability to understand my wisdom, says God. But stay on this path, Job. Stay on the path you're on, persevere. Continue to fear me and shun evil and I will see you through the other end of this darkness well many years many years after job there was another righteous man on this earth wasn't there a man who like job feared god and shunned evil a man who like job was a man of sorrows acquainted with suffering mocked as a fool, beaten like scum of the earth, rejected by those around him, even betrayed by his friend. And then, as the pinnacle of it all, forced to carry his own cross. Forced to carry his own cross, nailed to it, and publicly executed in shame. A man who had done nothing to deserve any of this suffering. A man who, if anyone could have said like Job, and even more so, if anyone could have said to God, 
my suffering is a terrible and unjust mistake in your creation. How could you do this to me? It was this man, Jesus, the Messiah. See, unlike for Job, God didn't put a limit on what Satan could do to Jesus, did he? God didn't pull Satan back and say, this is my servant, Jesus. You may test him, but you may spare his life. No. For Jesus, the path of wisdom of fearing the Lord and shunning evil led all the way to death, the darkest death in history, his death on Calvary's hill. And what, what a saviour, what a man that Jesus never asked, God, where is your wisdom in this horrible moment? No, he never said that. Even in his anguish, even as the pain was so real, it's so deep for him, he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so... If Job's faithfulness blows us away and Job's example blows us away, then Jesus' example blows us away even more. It's just breathtaking. How to explain this? How do we make sense of this? Well, Paul wrote about it, didn't he? In, in 1 Corinthians, we heard that read. That for since in the wisdom of God, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. And I think that echoes really clearly what Job 28, that hymn of wisdom was saying, wasn't it? The world through its wisdom does not know God. We can't dig up the secret of God's wisdom and purpose in things. We just can't. We're limited. We don't have that access. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached. This cross, this Christ on the cross, through this foolishness to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, foolishness for Gentiles, but to those of us whom God has called, Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And that takes us right back to Job 28. Who has access to God's wisdom? Well, only God has access to his wisdom. But now something big has changed, says Paul. Something big has changed. Because God did not keep his wisdom locked up far away where we couldn't find it, like at the end of Job 28? No. Christ, the wisdom of God, has been revealed on this earth in a human body. Job, you were right that wisdom was hidden from the eyes of every living being. But Job, now it's all changed. We have seen it. We have seen God's wisdom and we saw it on a cross in a suffering human body like yours, Job, we saw God's wisdom. Was Christ's death a cosmic 
big mistake. Was God's creation out of control with pain and injustice? No, it wasn't. It was where God revealed his wisdom. That suffering, even the suffering of the righteous one, is part of God's wisdom. It's part of his plan. For Job, for Jesus, and for us. That heart attack, that accident, that piece of news that came in an email or a phone call that was the worst outcome you could ever have imagined. That shattered relationship that we can't mend. That moment of shame that we'll never forget. The list goes on. The beating that my colleague Raju in India endured. Yes, these are sufferings that have shattered and will at times shatter God's good shalom in our life. But yes, just like for Jesus, these are also part of God's wisdom for us. As George prayed earlier, he used the word sobering. It is a sobering thing to say that your sufferings are also part of God's wisdom for you and my sufferings part of God's wisdom for me. Part of his plan part of his wise plan, but not the end of it. The book of Job, it didn't end with Job in pain and suffering. If you've read all the way to Job, you know that God restored to him seven more sons, three more daughters, 14,000 sheep, double what he had at the start of the story, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 1,000 donkeys. Job's shalom, after his testing, became deeper. His legacy became more blessed on the other side and because of that test that he went through. That was God's wisdom. And if we see it for Job, we can see it even more so in Christ, can't we? What was on the other side of Christ's test on that cross? Well, nothing short of salvation for the whole world. Nothing short of new creation. The renewal of this world so that there would be no more death or sorrow or injustice. That's what lay on the other side. That was God's wisdom that lay on the other side of the test for Christ. And what about for us? Because we are in Christ we are the ones who are in Christ as we trust in him. And so even the other side of our sufferings are the same as the other side is for his. New creation, resurrection, renewal, the new heavens and new earth with no more tears and no more sorrow and no more injustice. That is what lies ahead of us. That is God's wisdom on the other side of our sufferings. Well, how about for today? How about for this week ahead of us as we wait for that great final renewal? I want us all to remember, I want you to know if you feel alone in your suffering, Christ has not left you alone. He has not abandoned you. He's not orphaned you in your suffering. 
Christ has given you his Holy Spirit. The first fruits and the foretaste of that renewal come amongst us now. A companion. A friend who's not a bad friend like Job's friends. A friend who instead doesn't accuse us when we suffer. But a friend who groans within us. Words that we can't express. Who groans within us and speaks God's comfort to us when we suffer. The Holy Spirit in our hearts for all who trust in Christ. And then because the Holy Spirit fills us not just individually, but together as a body, he has given us each other for our times of suffering. He's given us, he's given me you, and he's given you me, that we can be filled with the Spirit together so that we can weep when each other is weeping. We can strengthen each other when we are weak and weary. We can point each other to the cross and say, see, God has a plan, even in your suffering. We are in Christ, yes, in his suffering, but also in his victory over Satan. And so when we or our loved ones, those around us, find ourselves at one time or another in the darkness, where we can make no sense of it, and it is overwhelming. We can look to the cross and we can say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you have revealed your wisdom to us in the cross of Christ. You have wise purposes for suffering, for Christ and for me as I put my faith in Christ. And now by your spirit, thank you, God, that you are willing to reveal another mystery your wisdom through our lives, your wisdom revealed through your church, even in or especially in the hard times when we suffer and when we as a church are faithful to God in times of sufferings. I've got a verse of scripture that I'd like us to read together. I'm going to share my screen again. I'd like you, to, you don't need to unmute, don't unmute your microphone, just we're going to read this together. It's on the screen there. And then there will be a prayer that we'll pray together that will also be on the screen. Let's read together. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. In a prayer, let's, let's pray together on the screen here. Father, in the hard times, we trust you. Jesus, in the times of suffering, we will follow you. Spirit of God, in the hard times, we need you and surrender our lives to you. All wisdom, power and glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.